Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hi guys, it's Gabby Dalkin from What's Gabby Cooking, and my new cookbook is called Eat What You Want. For more Cookery by the Book, you can follow me on Instagram. If you like this podcast, please be sure to share it with a friend. I'm always looking for new people to enjoy Cookery by the Book. Now on with the quarantine question round. Number one, where are you living? Uh, Los Angeles. What restaurant are you dreaming of going to after the quarantine? My favorite is this like hole in the wall restaurant on the west side of town called Don Antonio's where they have burritos the size of an infant and I cannot wait to go back. (laughs) What kind of a burrito are you going to get? It's like a carne asada super burrito. So there's carne asada, lettuce, beans, cheese, guacamole smothered in a wet sauce with more cheese on top. Oh my God. Sounds amazing. I haven't been thinking about that for the last 60 days at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Um, At home, what dish is getting you through this? Oh, I have had a constant IV of hummus into my body for the last two months. (laughs) So now let's talk about your cookbook. Okay. On your YouTube channel called What's Gobby Cooking... In the description, you wrote, 2019 was one for the books. Can't wait to see what 2020 has in store. Now, at this point, how are you feeling about 2020? So I would like my money back. I um, kind of think 2020 is going to be a wash in terms of doing anything as groups or going on a book tour or anything like that. Like we're all going to have a very new normal by the end of this year. And that's okay. Like that's what we got to do. We got to stay together and do, you know, like everyone's got to be in this as a team, but uh, I don't think 2020 is going to have a lot in store in terms of video content for making a really epic year end review video. <laughs> oh, I hope you're wrong. I know. I hope I'm wrong too. <laughs> So you were the pickiest eater until you were 18, and now your latest cookbook is called Eat What You Want. How did you go from then to now? Yeah, so I didn't have seafood. I didn't have steak. I had very like limited vegetables growing up. My mom's a picky eater, so I was also a picky eater. Um, in college, I was definitely still picky, but I learned you know, to have steak because my friends were all ordering it at restaurants and stuff like that. So I tried a couple new things, but it really wasn't until I got to culinary school in 2009, 2010, and my teacher, was, and I went to culinary school with no intention of actually staying in the food world. It was just a way of me to learn how to cook for myself and my boyfriend, who's now my husband and my friends. Like I just wanted to be a sufficient cook. And she, my teacher looked at me and she was like, Gabby, if you don't learn how to like this, this, and this, you're never going to make it in the food world. And I was like, oh, I accept your personal challenge and thank you. And then I really opened up my eyes to all the incredible food that's available to us and broadened my horizons. Lately, people have been asking you, what are you eating in real life? What does that even mean? So I think a lot of people think the food I post on Instagram, it's beautiful, it's styled, it's photographed professionally. 
I think they think that's for, for show, but in actuality, it's exactly what I eat in real life. Like granted, when I make pizza, it's not always that beautiful in my kitchen because I'm not actively trying to like food style it before my husband and I demolish it. But that's why I wanted to write this book, Eat What You Want, because I wanted people to understand that all the food that I'm putting up on my Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest, that's exactly what we eat. Like there's nothing... We're not hiding anything. I'm not doing anything else that you don't get to see. It's just real life. And it's all about eating a balanced diet and like you're not depriving yourself of any kind of food. Gabi's famous guacamole on page 257 is such an interesting recipe. Now, what do you love in your guac and what do you hate? So my guacamole has lemon and lime juice and chives rather than cilantro. Um, so I love that it's got both the lemon and the lime. So like extra acid, it's super flavorful and really cuts through the creaminess of the avocado. One of my dear friends hates cilantro. She has that gene where it tastes like soap. And so a long time ago, I made the switch to chives rather than cilantro. And honestly, I just think it's better. And other than that, I think it's a pretty like traditional guac. I don't believe in putting tomatoes in guacamole because unless you find like really incredibly flavorful tomatoes at the peak of the season, I I think it's worthless. And anything else you can put in guacamole, I mean, I'm down for it. For like a regular guac that you can use on everything, this is like my tried and true recipe. You're the first person I've ever talked to who puts chives in their guac. Yeah, I know, because some people hate cilantro, and we got to make sure everybody's happy. Yes. I'm going to totally try it this weekend. It's really fresh. They have, like, a really nice, like, it's just something unexpected and very uh, subtle but delicious. My avocados are too hard. I need to give them some time. (laughs) Yeah, put them in a brown paper bag with an apple or a banana. They'll ripen faster. This cookbook and how you live is all about balance. On the weekends, you like to recharge and let the week go with maybe some rosé and a cheese board. You have upped the cheese board game on page 40 Mm -hmm. with a burrata platter that will blow people's minds. Can you describe this? I love peas. Like, I don't think they get enough love all throughout the entire year. We just kind of eat them in the spring and then forget about them. But frozen peas, especially during quarantine, are so incredible. They can really make or break a meal. We've been putting so many pea recipes on my website. But this recipe is basically smashed peas with um, some snap peas and like this lemon pecorino dressing with a big giant ball of burrata on top and some prosciutto. And it is so delicious. You could like in the book, it's served with crostini, but you could also serve it next to some chicken or some steak and like smash it all together for the most incredible bite of your life. It's my go-to appetizer. I make it for almost every party. I love it. And it's so pretty too. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we eat with our eyes first. So I always am aware of what things look like. I think about that when I'm developing recipes for the book and the blog. I want it to be beautiful and I want it to be colorful and textured and all that kind of stuff. So that always plays into, you know, my recipe concepting. Tell me about surprise vacation and how that got you into traveling. Yeah. So my family, we've been traveling. Um, that's what we do. Like my parents always said, we're not going to spend money on fancy cars or this or that, but like, we do want to take you and travel so you can see the world and experience cultures and meet people you wouldn't normally meet and try new things. So it's always been really important to us. Um, surprise vacation started when I think was eight and my sister was five. 
We both have summer birthdays and one of us would always cry at our birthday parties. So my mom was like, forget this, no more birthday parties. We're going to start taking you guys on a surprise vacation every year and you'll get clues leading up to where we're going that you can try and guess. So it was kind of like fun for them because they got to not throw us birthday parties anymore and, and fun and educational for us because they would give us all these clues that we would have to think about and look up in encyclopedias because that was before Google existed and all that kind of stuff. So that started 20, to 20, 20 plus years ago. I don't even remember. Math is very hard. Um, <laughs> so that we've been going strong. We've gone every year since I was eight. And now my husband comes and our surprise vacation just got canceled for 2020 because it was in July. And apparently uh, the properties we were going to aren't, aren't even opening this year. But um, it's one of the most special things my family and I do together every year. We love traveling and experiencing cultures. And it's really fun to be able to do that with your parents. I feel like your recipes are a reflection of your travels. Is that right? I'm so inspired by other cultures and what people are cooking and then bringing those ideas back and putting my California girl spin on it, I think is a really cool way for me to like let my audience experience those other cultures without having to get on a plane, which is so important now more than ever because none of us are getting on planes. So it's really cool to be able to travel the world and pay respects to all the different cultures via our own kitchens. Okay, when you're able to travel again, where do you think you're going to go first? I want to go to Rwanda and Uganda and go see the mountain gorillas. It's been on my bucket list for years, and we did safari in South Africa and Botswana a couple years ago, and it was the most life-changing trip of my life. And now I need to go do the same thing with the mountain gorillas. (laughs) Did you see Nature a couple weeks ago? They had those gorillas on Nature, that show on PBS. No, I didn't. I missed it. Oh my gosh, you have to see it. Okay, I'll go back and see if I can find it on demand. The mountain gorillas are some of the most special creatures in the entire world. And if I have to trek eight hours to go see one and just sit in its presence for two minutes, nothing would make me happier. There's nothing I love more than a simple salad, and your little gem salad is just that. Four heads of little gem lettuce, two avocados, chives... There's the chives again. And (laughs) lemon vinaigrette. That's it. Perfectly simple. It's one of those recipes like that you could serve with any main course or carb or whatever it is, and it's going to work. Like there's nothing, uh, there's no flavor profile it wouldn't work with. It took me so long to get over being afraid of the kitchen. You've said your mission in life is to help people and their fear of recipes and cooking in the kitchen. What is your message for an intimidated home cook, especially now in the quarantine and we're all home cooks? Yeah, I think it's really important to figure out where you want to start. Like pick one really easy dish and master it. And then once you feel really comfortable with that and you could do it without looking at a recipe or you feel comfortable with the cooking techniques, then pick something else and slowly expand your repertoire that way. It's like a step ladder. Like you're just taking little steps here and there and getting comfortable with your skills and different flavor profiles and expanding from there. I think that's really important. I am incredibly comfortable in the kitchen now and perform well under pressure, but that's not where I started. And it was really scary to me. So in college, I only cooked chicken parmesan, literally the end pasta. Like that's all I made for my tennis team, for my husband's team, like all of that. And I just got super comfortable with it. And after I knew I could nail a chicken parm, that's when I started branching out and doing other things. And I've 
since like obviously grown from that, but I thought it was really important to have something that I'm like, this is my recipe and I can totally do it for however many people are coming over. That gave me a lot of confidence back in the day. The first family you ever cooked for as a private chef was obsessed with the miso cod at Nobu. This is going to be one of the first things I get when restaurants reopen here in New York City. Tell us about your version of this recipe. So the miso cod is incredible. And I remember the first time I ever made this, it was like the ugliest, saddest looking fish I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life. It was just like limp and not crispy and blackened on top. It was so sad. Um, I have since changed how I cook it, but the miso cod at Nobu takes three days to marinate. And that's a lot of time. So this I have hit on the same flavors, but you don't have to let it sit in the refrigerator. You can for three days, but you just need to do it for three hours. And then it's really just about that delicious rice on there with some seasoned bok choy and getting that golden crispy crust on the fish is, I mean, it's a recipe for success. Oh, that golden crispy crust. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And then broiling it on top is like, you'll read that in the recipe for people listening, but when you broil something on top, you get that high high hit of heat that like crisps everything up and like kind of looks like it's about to burn, but it's not going to burn. And cod is a very forgiving fish, so it's not going to overcook it either. I love that recipe so much. Your dad has recently taken up bread baking. Has he been a bread baking machine during the quarantine? My mother is like, you need to stop going through all of our flour. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, Yes, Papa Dalkin is crushing the bread game. He's making regular bread, sourdough bread. He's making sourdough pancakes. He's baking cookies and muffins. He's a doctor. Like, he goes into the hospital. He operates still even during quarantine like but I think baking is his way of decompressing my mother and my sister who lives right next to them they're all quarantining together they have no shortage of baked goods right now (laughs) (laughs) I love it (laughs) so this week I made your black bean soup on page 92 and the double chocolate chip muffins on page Mm. 18 Can you talk to us about these recipes? So let's start with the muffins because I think that's probably going to end up being the most popular recipe in the book, just based on what I've been seeing everyone post on Instagram. These muffins are inspired by, did you ever have the double chocolate chip muffins from Costco back in the day? Like they came as a 12 pack and they were the size. Oh my gosh. Okay. So they're roughly the size of your face when you're a child. (laughs) And my mom, who is incredibly healthy, like basically an Olympic swimmer, would let us me and my sister split one every morning for breakfast and it was so delicious and we would savor every bite and the melted chocolate oh my god it was so good I've been trying for years to perfect the recipe so finally we did and I thought it was worthy of going in the cookbook um they're incredibly moist they're stuffed with chocolate they're great for breakfast or dessert or a snack really good with coffee I'm obsessed as far as the black bean soup goes my mom used to make a version of this when we were kids and it's just a really simple black bean soup with the mirepoix like it starts with onions carrots and celery garlic and then it has a little bit of spice from the cumin and chipotles black beans just canned nothing crazy and some lime and it is so comforting you can put avocado on top or cheese or sour cream cilantro chives whatever you want it's really kind of a great pantry staple comforting soup recipe so good and i made it for Cinco de Mayo. My husband and son were so happy. And last night we had baked potatoes and I put it on the top of the baked potatoes. Oh, 
I love that. Watch out, people. That idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm cooking in quarantine here. I love it. My grocery store's out of chocolate chips. So this weekend, I'm going to make Matt's shortcut mole nachos. I cannot wait. They are really good. I mean, making mole traditionally in the past has been like a multiple day process. We went to a restaurant in Mexico City. They served us like 746 day mole. And I'm like, that is aggressive. Nobody has that much time. And this version is equally as delicious and still packed with flavor, but doesn't take 762 days. So it's really good. It's all, that also, if you have leftover mole sauce, would be great on a baked potato. Now to my segment called My Favorite Cookbook. What is your all-time favorite cookbook and why? I'm obsessed with Joshua McFadden's Six Seasons Cookbook. That is really incredible. And then there's another cookbook called Istanbul and Beyond by Robin Eckhart, which is another fantastic book. Yes, I had her on my podcast. Yeah, I love her. I love her style of cooking. The photos in that book are beautiful. And I went to Turkey as a child, but I was a picky eater. So I didn't get to experience really any of the food because I just ordered French fries every meal. So cooking my way through Istanbul and beyond, I feel like making up for some lost time. And then Joshua McFadden's Six Seasons is basically a Bible for vegetables. It's pretty phenomenal. Where can we find you on the web, social media, and YouTube? So my website, whatscobbycooking.com. And so is my YouTube. Uh, Instagram is whatscobbycooking. No G at the end because it was back in the day when Instagram used to cut people off for having too long of usernames. Yeah, whatscobbycooking on all the things. So you wrote in the book, when it comes to maintaining balance in my life, a crucial part of that is letting go and letting loose. Thank you so much, Gabby, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Subscribe over on cookerybythebook.com. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.